is Acoustic Conversations, everybody. Welcome to the show. We have a big crowd here tonight. We're very excited to have the big crowd. Uh, I am Pete Wright. I am sitting uh, on this side of the room on the fancy uh, plush velour couch with Kurt. How Once are you, my friend? Again, it's the starring role of my couch. Yes, it is. That. Yes, it is. And Shane Corsetti. Hello. Lovely as always. I'm the eye candy of the group, that's for sure. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. We need to get the calendar going. Yes. We're working on it. I still have that mob, uh, that uh, Motown picture of you on your Saturn. That was ghetto fabulous. Uh huh. Ghetto fabulous. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was good. It's sepia tone. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Uh, our guest tonight, I have been a big fan of these guys. And actually, I, you know, I just met many of you tonight. I, uh, but the, uh, the two of you were at the first show that I saw, right? The, the MS show. We, yes. uh, this, we've got uh, Bart Ferguson and Crowd. And, uh, there's a lot of history, right? How long have you guys been playing together? Uh, yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. I, I, feel, I think we need to start. Actually, we need to start. Uh, let's start with introductions. Let's go around the room. Who My name's Dave. Dave Coy. Dave Coy. And uh, I've been playing music with Bart since uh, 1995. All right, 95. We have 95. Yeah, we have, we have 95. Um, and actually... We I, we were fans of each other. I was I came and this is Bart speaking. I used to when I, we all went to U of O, University of Oregon, and uh, I used to come watch these guys in 1985. This would uh, have been nine, as days, nine wonder. days wonder. And and so I was a big fan of all of these guys, and watched them. And then uh, and then when I finally met them, I was in a band called The Strangers <clears throat> that started in Eugene as well. And then we moved to San Francisco, and when Nine Days Wonder came down to play at the Last Day Saloon in San Francisco, I finally got to meet them. I didn't even meet them in Eugene. And I remember, it's always still funny to me that I thought that Dave was Ben and Ben was Dave. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew my <laughs> 25 so, years yeah, later. So, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's 1980. Yeah, that was... Anyway, so yes, we've been... We've known, Playing music with these guys has been an honor, and it's been a lot of fun. And watching them was the same. So, Mike, I believe you kidnapped. Was that the one you kidnapped me and took me and recorded on your Joker in the way? Yes, it was is. That, that is. That was 1990, 1990. Yeah, 1990. All right. So, who are you? My name is Mike. Hi, Mike Walker. And uh, you were the here Reverend. playing the piano. I play yeah. piano and organ. And yeah, I, um, I've been with. Playing with Bart for what time is it now? Seven <laughs> fifteen. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. What month? <laughs> about for about the last year, I think, is when I helped yeah. board your band, your yeah. project, and then. Uh, but have been, I've known him for just about ever, ever since yeah. that day in San Francisco, and yeah, uh, yeah it's been fun uh, bringing um, energy into his songs along with these other two guys because there's a lot of history playing together that I think adapts almost reflexively to, to Bart's writing. It's been pretty fun. And next to you we have the other Dave. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> my, name's, my name's Ben, Ben Sturgill. Um, I lived in the dorms with Dave, 84, U of O. Um, we had the best reverb tank on earth, it was the bathroom. <laughs> and I would sit in the bathroom and play my guitar in there, and that's when I first ran into Dave. Who was um, just sitting in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to leave. Uh, 
This is so nice to have accompaniment while I'm here. I'm not We had similar musical tastes, and uh, we started playing together that uh, spring at a friend of ours' birthday party, or a friend of Dave's birthday party. I, I didn't know anybody there but Dave, I think, at the time. Um, and uh, started playing with... Bart, I think in 96, Yes. after Dave, Dave and Bart had started a band and I joined them um, for a few years, a band called Kerosene Dream, we made a couple records. All right, so let's talk about Kerosene Dream. So it was Nine Days Wonder, and then somehow in San Francisco, there must have been some soap opera drama here. No, there's it, Nine Days Wonder, see there was Nine Days Wonder, then Nine Days broke up, and I mean, you guys tell the story. Nine Days yeah, broke why up. Did nice, why did Nine Days broke up? Uh, it had run its course, mm. and it was a six-year adventure, I think, something like that. It had been going on for quite a while. We toured around, played a bunch of different states, did a lot of lot of shows, and um, so we broke up in '90 or so, and and then, uh, well, you know, the strangers are yeah, going strangers. simultaneously and uh, touring, and we were touring, and then the Renegade Saints were formed out of the ashes of Nine Days Wonder. We got this straight. So, so then were you part of the Renegades? I was part of the Strangers. Yeah. And Mike this, and... Yeah, anyway. Good luck with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the listeners, they've it. already no, tuned no. out. This is their no, but, and, and, but here's here's what I'm interested in. There's a, there's a point to, to even going down this road. and is You look at music, and particularly as a band, that is touring, that is gigging regularly, that is moving down this road of, of, <clears throat> of gaining traction, gaining momentum, gaining fans. What is it uh, about this relationship that you have as a band uh, that is also a business mm -hmm. that gets you to the point of having to part ways? I mean, what, what is that line that says, you know what, I just can't <laughs> be with you anymore. Even though I'm working with you, I just can't, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. It's a loaded question. Well, wow! Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I mean, you you can have uh, plenty of different scenarios, and you know, um, a lot of times it doesn't add up for personal reasons, uh, but other times it doesn't add up because, as Dave said, something runs its course, and and that, that there's plenty of different versions of what that means. But when a band makes a decision to do nothing but be a band for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and literally it's seven days a week, you're in the same space. Oh, yeah. Asleep, eating, playing, rehearsing, traveling, doing crossword puzzles, you know, all that Writing stuff. Writing songs and that, that, then buses. It, it's, a, it's a commitment between a bunch of guys, all of whom are artist types, and if it doesn't add up pretty magically, it's hard to make, to make sustain. That's hurdle number one. It's and, and then hurdle number two is making it work on a sustainable level, a business level, enough money coming in, some sort of growth and blah, 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 and continued inspiration as artists. And then lastly, uh, achieving sort of that golden land where you're meeting some goals. <clears throat> and um, I think in... Almost all of these projects, I think it's fair to summarize that uh, we carried on for at least half a decade in all of our projects, putting out a lot of music, playing a lot of shows in front of really nice big crowds, and one, in one way or the other, it stopped adding up. You've talked to the labels, you've, and you're going to make what you're going to make, and you're going to be playing the pattern that you've been playing, 
and nothing is necessarily changing or improving and you look around and say you know we can we can we we can end this honorably you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know and you, you you take a look around and say you know <clears throat> this was a this was a good run but there's not necessarily more up here and we're getting a little tired you know we don't you 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 go out on the road many days a year you never unpack your bags when you're home yeah. because you're just going to be putting stuff back in them way too soon you know, and you know, of course. I like remember unpacking my bag for the first time when, because when Car because the Strangers and the Renegade Saints toured for years. I mean, we played out on the road. We even played over fifty or sixty shows together. I think it was. Yeah. Like, all over the country. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, forty six. Was it forty six? You have every recording of them. Like, <laughs> and then I remember unpacking my bag. It was the weirdest thing when Kerosene Green first started. We came off the road, and put put the clothes away uh, even though we eventually put it back in bags and toured differently <laughs> and you burned them and go get new clothes there's a thought there's a lot of, <laughs> oops my oh okay so um w so kerosene dream was formed out of those two bands pretty much um out of either nine days wonder or the renegade saints and and then it became something different where dave and i took on the lead songwriting roles for kerosene dream and singing that way and putting um, really every song into harmony and harmonica and guitar and working harmony with the guitar and the harmonica as well. So it was, it was really fun and uh, a lot of work. And I remember writing those songs. I mentioned it the other night during our show. We would sing all day long because that's all we would be doing and play and sing and trying to come up with harmonies. When you sing and sing and sing, as you know, because you're a singer, you guys are singers. You know, when you're trying to hit that harmony, you're coming up with those, you lose oxygen to your brain. <laughs> we would pass out a lot of times. Uh, just have to lay down. Wow. Just my, my God, you know, trying to hit harmonies that maybe you shouldn't be singing, and then you find the ones that you do. But it was really, really fun. So it, uh, getting to know those guys and these guys on a level yeah. like that. Yeah. And again, we were living together and playing music every day, and you just it, it becomes a family, and you get it going. And, we're, I, I, I love that we're still together. It's a it's a huge um, honor, and I just I love these guys, and I love playing music with them, and I look up to these guys. They're I, I, sitting on stage with all of these guys, and the, yeah, and some of the other people in our band. It's really really fun to have them playing a song that I've written, and then then to watch them do their solos. So I really enjoy it.
What's the process look like? <clears throat> you got a new song? Does it, does it come from one of you in particular usually, or at this point, does everybody have a? Is it a hey, it? check this out, or is it hey, let's come together and we're going to write together? Or? It depends on how you set the band up. Um, How's the band set up right now? Right now, <laughs> poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know that is a great question. I was the band set up. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, yeah. and I want to raise too. Um, <clears throat> Actually, you know, I think. Oh, yeah. Do you have our money from the gig the other night? <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, that's how the band is set. <laughs> I'm going to need that for the weekend. <laughs> you know, what's funny about this, and and uh, you, can, you can tell me to shut up, but not yet. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but not yet. Uh, 
every band kind of had its own process for putting songs together in the past. And, mm-hmm. and I think what we're, we're sort of looking at in this group is a lot of people who, I mean, we've, we have gotten to the point in our lives where we're not trying necessarily to reach that promised land anymore. We're kind of realizing that playing this music is the promised land. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. uh, it's fun to just combine stuff. And we almost don't care what the songs are anymore as, as much as we care about finding excuses to get together and play these songs together. And that is a great, inspiring, fun type of thing to do. On the other hand, when it comes to practical things like your question, writing new material, stuff like that, I'm almost just having too much fun playing all the old stuff because you know it's almost 100 songs between all of yeah. us of ready-made stuff that we can just kind of pull out and, and do some of it better than others but but it we rejoice so much in that we haven't really talked about a process of songwriting we've talked about processes of getting stuff rehearsed and tuned up and all that stuff but we really haven't you know gone into the method that we did in our previous stuff like wow okay what's the newest song yeah. and stuff like because we're just kind of relishing yeah. the, the agenda has so, changed yeah well it's it's the songwriting process has changed because lives have lives have changed it's, I mean, when you're doing music full time, you're doing music full time. You have all day to write songs, and um, and it's important. Now you have to find and what, and time. It's important to do it because <laughs> well, it's uh, that's your livelihood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's if I, I got to write new songs. You know, if you if you're in a, if you're in a band yeah. and you're actually trying to like make it, you ha- you have to put it upon yourself to create a new product. Basically, mm-hmm. if you want to look at it in kind of <clears throat> industrial terms and. We don't have that sitting in front of us anymore. The agenda's changed. Now it's all about getting together and having fun playing the songs that have been written. When did that change? What was the defining... Is there a defining moment where you... I think it just sort of... Just sort of faded into... Well, May 15th, 2002. What about the storks? For me, I mean, I, I, I gave it a good run. My final last run was in '02, I believe I had an album come out and we got some radio play um, across the country and I thought okay this this is actually may hit right now after all this time and you know it, it ran its course it, you, there's a window you have about you got about a year from the release of an album and the release of a song and if it doesn't hit and you know it gets to a point and we've all been at that point we've all had songs on the radio that have gotten just to a point where they didn't get into you know Top forty, or it didn't go hit. It didn't, didn't go big time. It didn't. It didn't yeah. get past the. It's fly or die. Yeah, past triple A. You know, so is it really is, just that there's like one critical mass point that you're hoping yes. for? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a tipping point. And yeah. that, that tipping point, it sounds like it's very, very high. Like it takes a lot to get to. And that. it takes a lot to get to the tipping point. Even I mean, that, yeah. that's overnight success yeah. takes a long, oh, long. Oh man! Time. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. There's <laughs> no yeah, such right. thing. Well, I think there are a lot of oddball exceptions these days, but. In Some our, in our, yeah, yeah. In yeah our, I was gonna say. Have, have in, you thought in, about yeah, that? In, in the past, <laughs> we're all when, too old. Back when we were <laughs> doing much. things, people actually had to work for a while before they got a break. <laughs> well, our, our last guest was talking about that, though, about you know writing great songs for and, and kind of being I don't want to say pigeonholed, but like he knew that that's what his mark was. He wasn't going to be this overnight sensation. He knew that he was writing good songs and people were listening to it, and he wasn't going to explode and like break through. He was at that threshold. I mean, wasn't that kind yeah, of? Yeah, and it begs. It really begs a question. I mean, how do you know 
this is going to sound, this may sound crass, so I apologize. <clears throat> How do you know when you haven't made it? Uh, you're eating bananas and <laughs> drinking yeah. milk and living on four dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. Your, your ASCAP BMI check is five dollars and thirty-two cents. <laughs> that would be when it. Yeah. When a when a when a, uh, a career furthering event has failed and there's yeah. nothing on the horizon after it. Then when you're sleeping on Alan Bush's hardwood <laughs> floor with nothing but a pillow. Right. I mean, you, you just know it. You can feel okay. it. It's like the X factor. And when you know you have it, like when things are on the rise, you feel it. You, it's, a, it's an X factor. It's like, hey, this thing's working. And the people are coming. And people have really never stopped coming to the show. Had, that had really nothing to do with it. It just all of a sudden... You know that your album at that point has run its course, your single has run its course, and, and then you make a change. You know? I think there's one master of knowing when that's been in his career, and that's Eric Clapton. Hmm. He always seemed to just bail right at the top of the game in everything he was in, you know. The uh, Yardbirds. The, the Yardbirds, yeah. the Blues Breakers, Cream. Derek and the Dominoes, you didn't have much to say. And then, you know, and then, and then at that point, he just was a solo guy. Um, I, I wanted to ask, I'm glad you brought that up. God. What is, well, yeah. yeah. Then, I mean, that helps. And then unplugged, and there's a whole second <laughs> or, or ninth chapter to his career. Uh, Kerosene Dream turned into Bart Ferguson. Is that accurate? No. What happened there? I, and I, I, the question I'm getting at is, is what is it, what's in the name? Well, it was at, from Kerosene Dream to where I went and Dave went our separate ways we didn't really go our separate ways we did you take it out first kerosene dream <laughs> at that point had had kind of run its course and then i don't know we uh felt like doing different things so we kind of went solo he dave went solo and i went solo. it was time to do something else but n both of us knew that we were never going to be away from what kerosene dream or singing together is and and playing with with uh, our close friends, but um, so what is that, did that answer the question? It, how did that? I don't think we got there. Come yet. about? It, it was <laughs> what, just again time for another what change. We're, what we're playing right now is actually kind of brand new because the Bart Ferguson band went was playing up until the winter of this year, and then our bass player Dan Decker um, moved or is in the process yeah. of moving, and when Bart asked Dave to come in it kind of changed it because it, it yeah. and I actually sent an email out to everybody saying you know it's a lot of fun but that this doesn't really feel like the Bart Ferguson band anymore right yeah so it's kind um, of changed so that again. so I think at this point it's we're morphing, morphing. Right I threw now. an idea of a name out there I won't I won't say it but uh, come on this isn't the bit you're not going to launch it on well it's still coming together we, I'm, I still I don't know what where that's going we, we it doesn't we have, matter either it's just like <laughs> You know like guys playing together now. It, this must just be a whirlwind of information for people who don't who don't <laughs> know, don't know. Who don't know the story. Because my my family and um, even Patricia, I mean, just about everyone in my life who isn't directly following the bands, but I talk to them all the time. They can't keep it straight right. anymore. That's it's been the thing. it's mm -hmm. been twenty two years of rotating guys with anglo-saxon names all coming in playing <laughs> various things okay okay well first it was it was ben mike pete al or no wait ben ben mike pete 
Dave and Phil, and then it became Al and John and Mike and Dave, and you know, oh, we got a new drummer. He's Mike. I mean, you know, and it, and it keeps flipping around. I know. And there's not much linearness to this. Well, I think what you're looking at now is people who are recognizing the fact that there that w there's a comfort zone to playing. Like what the stuff that we've done uh, tonight was largely reflexive in the sense of following each other and trying to complement the songs as best as possible. And I think that gets cultivated by like a lot of years of either listening or playing to each other, playing with each other. And uh, that's what we're, that's what we're relishing in. And so we forget some of these technical details, like what are we going to call ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> you know? What are we going to tell the club we're called? You know, we don't even have a good I name think it's yet because it's not because a priority. It's so weird. Wow. Well, you look at new bands that spend, you know, what, eighty percent of their time focusing on what the package is. Yeah. Right. And here you guys are having played, you know, for twenty years, twenty five years together, and suddenly none of that stuff seems to matter yeah. anymore. Success yeah, means something else. Yeah. Where's our press pack? Continually <laughs> be able to play together and Tomorrow, make good probably. music and have people come and relive memories or make new memories with the music. Some people. That that to me is success. Yeah. Is when when they enjoy themselves and we enjoy ourselves. That's that's that's, that's, that's all it, I'm man. That's that's where it's all. Right now. That's what it's about.
Henry, can I come home to you? Get drunk like we used to. Emily, can I come home to you? Do the hustle the whole night through. No lies. concept of like the redefinition of the term success you know as the career continues it came up in our in our last show as well and so it kind of makes me curious you know like with the perspective that you have now like what would you offer as advice to like the bands that maybe are just kind of starting out um that are wanting to make it you know mm -hmm. like what, what would you tell them buy good tires <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah triple a yeah. i would come and then double a you know, later um I mean, concentrate on your extended warranty. Concentrate on your fundamentals. Uh -huh. Sing well. Uh -huh. Write good melody. Stick to that. I mean, really. I mean, that's what for me. That's listen. Listen to Simon Cowell. Uh -huh. I mean, truly, that dude. He's on it. He knows. He did. And and that's really what you got to get down to. It's fundamental of music. What would you tell them about like their expectations? Oh, I I would say, have a great time creating. And performing, <clears throat> yeah. and do not pin your heart on a career. Yeah, bingo. It's this is the big adjustment because there are a lot of musicians who feel like um, they need to pay their dues and suffer through the experience of being a, a a band, a young band, in order to get signed. I think there's better wisdom out there about the, the frailties of the sign, getting signed myth. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of musicians who are like, if they work hard enough, they're going to find the moment where they're happy and creative. And the advice that I always give is enjoy it now. If you're not enjoying it now, you're not going to be the musician that you want to be. Mm -hmm. If you're not enjoying it now, you're probably going to look back at years of misery as opposed to my experience, which I feel very lucky to say, I can look back at all these years, even the bad times, as being very real times and honest times and, and ultimately good times. And we didn't ultimately make it, quote unquote, but I had some of the best years of my life looking back. And there was not a trade-off. It, it, it was all good. Wouldn't ever do it again, because it would probably kill me at, the, at my age. But um, if, if you're not, if you're not in the moment and if you're not enjoying it, you should probably get out because you're playing odds that are probably lower than, than the lottery in terms of making it. And you're probably 
fixating on things that are mirages and yeah. are myths. The sense that I get from talking to like other younger musicians, like I have a couple of friends that are trying to put together their first band, their first CD. There's a sense that you know, like they're kind of starting out and they've got their big goals of what the next step is and they don't see what's after that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if we just need to get this first CD in the can. Well, yeah. And, you know and then it'll be fine. And they should never lose sight of it. I mean, never lose the dream, never lose the hope, especially when you're starting out. Because you know what? It happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the advice I would give is go for it. I mean... No, no. I put, just put your... Stop. Put your <laughs> don't go. go. Don't go for it. it. <laughs> I mean, because it's still possible. Hesitation. It's I'm not still sure. trying to make it, you guys. <laughs> I'm still trying to make it. <laughs> Well, I, you can do both. Yeah. You, I mean, that's the whole idea. But, but if, if you're not in the mo if you're not in the moment now, you're not going to be in the moment well, yeah. later. Be anyway. in the moment and, and live it. We were totally it. going for the dream. Absolutely. You know? But we were also very much enjoying the moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was a blast. That was absolutely a blast. There were and many moments. Many moments. <laughs> a lot but, of our music was un unapproachable on commercial levels. At times, a lot of it was, was approachable, though. What is what does that Probably. mean right now? Well, especially in I mean pre AAA, you know, before they established even music that that was, is AAA even around anymore? It's, it still yeah. is. is but, but are we AAA? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even Kinks know. Kinks right? educated. What is well, AAA? Well, AAA was a format such as let's say AOR mm -hmm. or indie rock <laughs> or alternative or stuff like that. But when we were first touring. This was the days of little women being out on the road and, and, and bands that were doing a lot of stuff that was approachable for smaller markets, people that were into like a lot of jamming, pretty oh, yeah. a, a tradition of rock that was not on the radio, was not getting signed. We were and in then, the circles of night or of uh, the blues traveler or, or Dave Matthews. At best. That. Well, but the thing and, is, is that it wasn't until the early 90s they established sort of a radio format that was starting to welcome like... I guess it would be maybe the mountain in Seattle is the closest AAA station. The uh, Kink is doing a lot of AAA style stuff locally to Portland, but it is something that is maybe a little more songwriter based, a little more our style. And we started thinking, wow, there could actually be a, a signing possible. And up until that moment, we were just out there because we wanted to have fun, you know. And then it started to be a, a doable thing, and that almost screwed us up. Oh, because because then we're like okay so what's that format look like what do we have to do yeah talk a little more about that how do you mean like it almost screwed you up what does it mean to be a musician that just wants to to go out and on the road and just play because and you and you know it's relatively hopeless that you're going to get signed because all they're signing is stuff that you don't play and you know uh, it's you're not hearing it on the radio but when counting crows started popping out <clears> and other <throat> bands like that then we thought it was viable and when you think that it's viable and you have and you have hope mm -hmm. the hope in a way on a, the commercial hope can get in the way of your creative abandon let's say sure. and we were we were playing some of the most ridiculous combinations of music you know on any kind of commercial level oh, yeah. we, we would be doing something totally bluesy and then maybe into a santana style type of thing and then something that was more grungy and then an acoustic set in the middle and you know, I mean, you, it was all over we, the map. We were throwing darts because we didn't care. We were just like, just "Hey, this fun. song's cool. We're yeah. gonna do this." You know, and we're everyone's it's, got chops. We can do this well. 
And uh, it was even better when we were drunk. But how, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But then, you know, how is some record company going to package that up and sell it? They're not, you know. Then then you think, well, if we focused ourselves stylistically, well, maybe then they could package it and sell it. And what happens then? It starts to screw with your whole your whole thing, your whole identity. Because so you, ha- so you had up. conversations on like trying to figure out, you know, experimenting with how to focus in certain sounds and then abandoning that later. That oh yeah. Kind of oh yeah. yeah. You, well, you, you've got this song list of like whatever 35 songs. Uh-huh. You're like, well, what if we drop these mm-hmm. ones? Because yeah. they're kind of over here right. in Passeville. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, that's, that's like too much of a, they're too derivative of this, that, or the other thing. So let's get rid of those. And then let's get rid of that. And let's, let's get rid of all your songs. <laughs> As a matter of fact, let's get rid of you. We have this Loggins and the Cena tune that we'd really like you to play. That's true. But, but, you know, yeah, it becomes a point where you're not thinking from within, you're thinking from what's outside. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. Even though The Stranger, we've started out that way. We really did. We started mm-hmm. out with an eye to go pop and then kind of honed it. We, you know, tried to hone as we went, um, as the Saint, I think the Saints did. And, and then you lose, you lose a lot of... Um, organicness at some time at some point but you know what you gain is a a craft writing a pop song is not easy I mean that's the hardest thing to do to try to fit what you're trying to say in a song both lyrically and musically in a three-minute song it's it's a huge challenge and getting into that mode and Dave and I both got into that mode especially in the kerosene dream and then further on and Today, still, it's a challenge to write a melody that can catch somebody in the first ten seconds. You know, is is I I take my hat. If I was wearing three hats, I'd take them off to all those guys who do it. And you know, it's that's still a challenge. You were asking about how we write songs. I mean, Mm I when when I write songs, I was telling Mike this earlier. It has to build up inside. I'm I'm not a guy that writes every day. I have to live have it build up and then I like to spend about a week alone if I can. It used to be a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to lock myself in the bathroom. But um and then write yeah, it all so Dave and, experience. That's how that. Dave and Ben started. It keeps going right back to the bathroom. That's where our music should be. <laughs> it, started it started there, there and it's ended and it's up there. In there. Yeah, now we know what success looks like. Bathroom it's tour. all in the bathroom. That's how. I mean, that's how I mean. it all comes out at once. I I'll, I will sit and write an. I'll write an album in. In, in all fairness, period. it was a shower, not a toilet. <laughs> Dave, but Dave, how do you... On the record. <laughs> For the record, yes. For the record. Hamilton Complex, uh, mm. something like that. It... Pack your bags and quit your job and move up from L.A. summertime. Portland is the best We'll drive the coastal highway And we'll stop in San Francisco And we'll never go to Amsterdam alone We'll sail on the wind For the rest of our life The world of our Tied to the wind 
proclaim our independence and we'll tell our favorite story. We'll understand religion for a while. We'll find solace in the darkness like rebels on a mission and we'll never go to Amsterdam alone. We'll sail on the wind for the rest of our life in the world of our own. We're tied to the wind for the rest of our lives. I feel it in my bones. find yourself fighting geography i mean i i yes i really resonate with your sound but what you're talking about when you were striving for going in that direction i mean you're all the bands that you're naming are from the south i mean that's mm -hmm. where that college sound oh, was yeah. coming from yeah i uh, suggested we were, that we move there at one, at one well that was oh. the big question and you weren't there. the only one there were many people who suggested you guys should move to the south you guys should tour mm -hmm. the south you, yeah. you guys should go away to the yeah, south yeah i was thinking they would just want to get rid of us <laughs> and, and we had well, a, and we, the renegade saints even had a record label that says we should try to break your record in the south not in the northwest where we're from because you're not you're they, not nirvana no no and no. yeah, it was, and not only that, but there's a whole other struggle with geography, which is being in the West, which is like, okay, the nearest right. big city is three and a half yeah. hours. I mean, you have to be yeah. If you're on the East Coast, the nearest big city is about a stone's throw yeah. away. If you plant yourself in Burlington, North Carolina, you can play a college gig, um, one college gig for um, a night for a whole month and never drive more than 30 miles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, try yeah. that here. You can't, yeah. And it, we put miles uh, we, we we were running in buses and motorhomes and i mean thousands and thousands of miles for seven years i mean lots of time spent on the road where yeah geographically geographically geographically, <laughs> geographically we were we were challenged <laughs> not dave and myself we're geographically educated that's right you guys are where are you now you are i mean the last album that i have is that yes. the last album Last CD. It's not the last. That is the most Latest. recent. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, uh, that that. With all due respect. Uh, for me, that that was my most recent. The most recent. I, I and that was what 2003. That was four, uh, three ish. Oh two, I believe. Oh two. No, it's not that long ago. No. No. Oh three. And that was Salvation Road. Salvation, that was Salvation Road with the the haunting face of Bart Ferguson. Yes, the half, the, the good side. The good. That's my good side. What what does uh, going back into the studio represent for you guys? Is that something you're working toward, or is success right now just gigging regularly around the Northwest? Um, right now, at this moment, building the you know I'd, I'd keep playing, but I definitely 
uh, I'm gonna write a new album and definitely gonna record again and I'd I'd love it if you guys would join me. Mm. You know, I'll do it together. <laughs> I don't know, man. No. no. <laughs> I don't want to get my mom to play keyboards again. She doesn't even know how. <laughs> what is uh, what does the studio experience do to your music? Ruins it. Not for me, it enhances it. Does it really? I like it. I love the studio. Why? Why? What does what does it do? Um I'm excited by you know, I like working with um the the songs are short. Even though I love listening to these guys jam, but it's it's that it's that uh, crafting. True dip- diplomacy there. <laughs> I do, but it, it was really, a, I would call it. An and I would appreciate your vote. This no, no, no. <laughs> but it is it's taking what you write. And it's exciting, and you get to sing and and make everything uh, sound great and and keep it together. And you know, it's I, I love the studio experience, and I love recording new songs and it'll happen again it does have a great effect of honing your songwriting and arranging skills and yeah. chops if you've come in to the studio with a half-baked song chances are somebody's going to point it out exactly it'll come out on tape yeah. and you can fine-tune it and that's been my experience a few times where songs kind of improved a little bit and in a couple of cases they weren't improved mm-hmm. they were uh kind of hacked bits but by and large, I've learned a lot of good things about being in the studio, and and it's improved my writing, which was, you know, in the end, a really how, good how thing. How so? Well, you you write a song and you teach it to the band. The band plays it. Everything seems fine. Then you go to record it and you realize, holy God, this thing's six and a half minutes long mm-hmm. when it's done from start to finish, and it doesn't need to be. It really doesn't need to be. You could really pull out two, three verses and still have the same impact. So that right there is a huge learning experience. I mean, I wrote a song, I really liked it, but then I realized I could chop out three minutes of it and it would actually be a better song. Wow. So is it like, uh, I mean, self-produced? I mean, is it just you guys and the engineer? It's been there. We've had a multiple, we've had several different situations because I mean, you can take the flip side of that. Yeah, we've got a lot of different kinds of work we've all done, but our first, our first at at the earliest phase, Nine Days Wonder, when we did our first real CD and recording project, (laughs) when CDs were new. Oh, I'll tell you back from way back in the old days. Um, that was a that was a really glorious experience, and we had benefit of zero wisdom or experience. We had a great engineer, Bill Barnett, down in Eugene, um, gung-ho studios. It, it, he, so we sort of had the master's hand in guiding green, re, green not green musicians, but green recording musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would, Nine Days was the jam band of jam bands. We would play till late three in the morning late and to, to, crowd, to, 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 to crowds that would be there mm-hmm. and um, had an endless list of songs that we would play and, and it was just like all, all energy that you have when you're in your late teens and early 20s exploring stuff and then we tried to put all that stuff some great song Dave's initial songwriting some incredible songwriting going on in the studio but no experience we didn't care how long the songs were you know that kind of thing 
going in and then having a really capable engineer who was good at giving guiding gu guidance, but also allowing the band to call its own creative decisions ultimately. And he steered us toward a CD that was a popular CD for about a decade in terms of um, like locals only and just the local buying mm -hmm. presence. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's maybe the CD I look back and am the most proud of because of the ex of us going in there and having even naivete going in. Mm -hmm. I think since then, we've applied the same logic of Devil May Care and come in with some real losing projects. We've also gone in real schooled and come out with some real losing projects. And we've also gone in real schooled and come and come out with some real great so here you CDs. Are two decades and later. So, so what's it, the formula? <laughs> and that's that's the zen of it all, is that it doesn't necessarily have to do with that kind of formula. I and I think, you know, as we as we'll gather over bourbon and talk about this stuff, we'll come up with different conclusions between all of us and argue about it. But my feeling is there's a little bit of magic involved with that and a little bit of um, Oh, how do you how do you how do you express it in the same way of being in a song when it's going well or a take that's going well is not necessarily due to the preparation you've done or the things you've practiced. It is whether you're really playing the song and feeling that moment. You know, you've been yeah. and a good engineer will interrupt you early in the song, early in the take, and say, "Your guys are a bunch of pansies." <laughs> you know. You're, you're thinking all about this, you know? So do what it takes to not be thinking about this and we're gonna take this again, you know? That kind of thing, that's a good engineer. It's not just a technical engineer, it's an emotional engineer. And, and the dis discipline in the studio is not just to get it right, but to be part of the song. Mm -hmm. How does the studio experience change your live performances? Do you find it best? Oh, yeah. oh. Titan. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it brings everything together. And because when you go in the studio, I mean, everything, I mean, everything is under the microscope. You can't get in there. All of a sudden, you're recording, you're singing, or you're playing a note. It's all under the microscope. So when you come out of that uh, project, yeah, your live shows definitely benefit. And then you throw back in your solo, your longer versions mm -hmm. of different songs, and some you don't. Um, but it, again, the studio makes you a better musician, uh, a better player, and a better singer. Uh, it's hard work. It is. It, it, I and think that when I before I went in, I was the first time I ever worked in a studio. I thought this is going to be the coolest thing I ever did, and by the time I was through one day, I was like, "Man, this sucks." Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and it's like you know, and, and again, the, the microscope thing. It's like you know, the smallest little mistake. One of my best memories of working at with Bill Barnett down at Gung Ho. I was singing something and he kept saying, what is that noise? What is that noise? And I had a shoelace loose and I was rolling it underneath my foot <laughs> like this. And the microphones were so sensitive that they're picking this up and I had to redo all of these vocals because oh, I was wow. just sitting there just going like this with a rolling a, a, you know, just fidgeting. I fidget. You know, I was just sitting there going like this and I had to redo a bunch of stuff at what, you know, like... Seventy-five dollars an hour, or one hundred and twenty dollars an hour. Also, we took the shoelaces out. Yeah, we cut them off. I, I mean, a costly <laughs> fidgets. The first time I ever went into the studio, I didn't. I, it it blew my mind. I thought, I mean, we. Were am I in the right building? Twenty-one years old or whatever. I thought, what am I doing here? Uh, I thought all 
all my favorite bands all that time before. I thought everybody went into the studio, into the, into the booths at the same time and sang together. And it blew my mind that huh. we didn't do that at that time. And you're like, track you, you by do, track. You do, yeah, you start out scratch track. And then I started thinking back to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and thinking back to, you know, Dewey Bro, all the my favorite yeah. groups throughout the years. I thought, oh my God, they weren't in there all together. And sometimes they were. And then you, the better you get, sometimes you're in there. But it, it really it opened my eyes to what the and and, it, and I hate to date ourselves, but you know when we first. The first album, which was Dreams of the Land from the Strangers that I ever made, they, we didn't have automated boards or anything. So the, you're, you're recording reel to reel, and then every take, it had to be perfect. And, and, and then when they mix it, they have to mix And you're, it's the most stressful. I had to go stand outside most of the mixing and re, if the guitar player was in there, because if you made a bad note, you know, start all over again, and there wasn't today. It's so it's so much different. You've got automated boards. You got that course digital. right. Let's just fly <laughs> yeah, it in yeah. all yeah. the fly courses. All it's so yeah. much easier. Yeah. Do three passes and you're done. But yeah, back then weird. it was way harder. It's it, so was, weird. it was a, it was a trip. All right, where so <laughs> who are, where does your inspiration come from? That's the first question we had. That was a question from the audience. From the, can I tell a funny? Can I tell a funny story about the other night um, when we played at the yeah the the, the um, um, Dublin pub, you know, we're playing, um, and my sister-in-law hadn't has never seen me play before, um, and I I didn't believe her when she said she was coming because she never does, and uh, she showed up, and right when I was starting to do a solo, I looked up and I saw her there, and I and I thought to myself, God, I hope she thinks I'm good, and, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes. I don't know why, you know, it's Amen. like it's like I mean, you know, this is you know, it's like I don't want her just to think I'm just some jerk you know just you know wanking on a guitar right I like that and so that's that flashed through my head and I was like play a good one and I played a really good solo I'm just I mean it was it was was pretty tasty and um so that night it came from seeing somebody that I care about Mm -hmm. um and who isn't familiar with me at all as a musician zero and uh um, and I just and I went for it for her. I don't know why. I took yeah. some shit from my wife for that uh, <laughs> when I explained that story. And I've now she's now being referred to as my muse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you know how to push that the buttons, brutal, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? What inspires songwriting is just you know listening to to strong. Songwriters, who, I, I'm, I'm influenced by melody um, and lyric, and so if I, I always go back to the same guys. I, I listen to a batch of records, and then I write an album. But who do you listen to? I like. I, I always seem to go back to Dylan, and I go back to uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, but you know what? I like Ryan Adams. That he inspires me. Um, who else? You know, just uh, Steve Earle. No, I, he's awesome. You know, j- writers who have strong melodies that, I don't know, sometimes if I listen to that stuff, it shoots me into my own direction. I'll listen to a melody that shoots me somewhere else that, that will uh, strike something in me and then uh, ignite uh, inspiration and a melody of my own. And I don't know. How about you, Dave? Oh, nice handoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Segue. 
Yeah, I don't know where it comes from. I think it just comes out of the air. Yeah. And it's a, just a melody pops into my head and I start throwing down some some dummy lyrics with it until I can sit down and write some good lyrics to it. And that's how they come for me. Who do you listen to? Any Anybody? Uh, oh, I change. I, go, I, I have a huge CD collection. I tend to pick up things here and there. Lately, I've been listening to Decemberists. But I, I'm, I love County Crows. I mean, that's every time they come out with something, I listen to that <clears throat> to death. And I don't know. Freddie Johnston. I... Gosh, I don't know, whatever. I, I, I think what I'm getting at there is it's, it's interesting to me who inspires you guys if, if you have any contemporary musicians that really strike you. I think the Decemberists is a really interesting choice because they tend to be sort of a throwback. Their style is, is very classic. Um, uh, Ryan Adams, I think, is an interesting choice, too. I mean, is a contemporary sort of pop, mm -hmm. uh, you know. You just listen. I mean, you listen to music, but in the end, Dave, Dave's correct. You sit down with a guitar or a piano. You sit down, and you're alone, and mm -hmm. you bang out. I mean, you bang out chords, same chords everybody plays: G's, D's, E's, F's, whatever. And then all of a sudden, that's me. <laughs> For that's me. Well, you had four or seven. <laughs> There's more, but we won't. We don't want to bore you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just and and at that point, you're alone, and you and your melody is going to come out. It always surprises me. <laughs> I gather that surprises some of your peers as well. <laughs> they know the chords are. <laughs> There's uh, no surprise there. This comes from the harmonics. We're opening the harmonica case. Yeah, what do we got there are about here? 15 harmonicas in there, and how many of them are actually played? No. Uh, no. <laughs> You didn't just eat either. anything. I don't. I'm not blowing on any of your harmonicas. Oh. We've but got anyway. C. Yeah. So we've got B. You're gonna give them all of us, aren't you? Ben? That's we've great. got F. So there's no, there's no there's no No, the other side a. has the whole C D E F G. The A and H. And and uh, on this note, C, uh, I <laughs> D, on behalf of Ben, who's quite busy, and Mike e, and Bart and Dave. Uh, Two E's. Just, <laughs> thank you yeah, for thank sitting you. down with us thank tonight. You, you guys have played some fantastic awesome. music for us tonight. Uh, and so for those, you know, the show was, was originally intended and, and dedicated to sort of the, the aspiring songwriters. And you guys are really, uh, have shown what it, what it takes to really be successful and create quality music over many years. So we appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit down with you. And, and uh, introduce some some folks to uh, your music. This has well, been a real treat. So thank you, and thank let you. them know the Dublin Pub. Yeah, when? seven o'clock every last Friday of the month. Every Dublin last Pub. Friday of the month, Dublin Pub. We'll put it on the website. Is there yeah. a website? Is there a website? Yes, we bartferguson.com. Bartferguson what about Dave? You got a website? Yeah, website? Not anymore. I ditched it. There's <laughs> Nine Days Wonder on YouTube. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. yeah. We will oh, yeah, link Nine iTunes, Days Wonder all that on stuff. Kerosene yeah. Dream. We'll check it out. We'll check yeah. it out. And so we recorded some great tracks. We'll have those up available on the website at some point. And uh, and uh, for acoustic conversations, Shane, Kurt, Pete, we're out. Thank you, everybody. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now I don't care what they say. I've seen a I don't care what they know I'm not going with the flow She showed me where to go Down Salvation Road
Sai.